You are listening to the podcast series for Mission to Amish People. Mission to Amish People is a Christian ministry with a threefold purpose of evangelizing and discipling Amish and former Amish, helping Amish people who leave their communities by helping them transition into the English world, and by presenting the ministry to churches nationwide. You can find out more about Mission to Amish People by going to their website at www.mapministry.org. Today's podcast is part one of three and showcases the testimony of Norma Miller. I'm very excited about tonight. I always love to listen to other people's testimonies, and um, I believe what Norma is going to share with us is going to be um, very um, just encouraging and moving, and, and at times we will be able to relate right with her. And I have just been praying that the Lord would give Norma peace and uh, courage and um, help her to confidently share her testimony. And I'd like to prepare our hearts for testimonies and the importance of testimony. There's two quotes that I'm going to mention. One of them is, your story is the key that can unlock someone else's prison. Your story is the key that can unlock someone else's prison. There's another one. Only God can turn mess into message. A test into a testimony, a trial into a triumph, and a victim into victory. Only God can do that. But as I was looking tonight at uh, some scripture here concerning testimonies, I, I found two of them here that John wrote in the Gospels and, well, in this case, his epistles. He says, uh, the Apostle John wrote in 1 John 1, 3, That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you, that ye also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. A little bit later he said, and this is the record. Or we could say this is the testimony that God has given to us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. David writes, I will declare thy name unto my brethren, and in the midst of the congregation will I praise thee. I tell you, there is nothing that encourages me more and strengthens me more in my faith than when a man or a woman of God stands up in the midst of the congregation and shares about the things that God has done for them. He also writes in Psalms chapter 66, verse 16, Come and hear, all you that fear God, and I will declare what he has done for my soul. The power of a testimony can cut deep and challenge people. Uh, Jesus said these words in Matthew 10:32, Whosoever therefore shall confess me before men, him will I also confess before my Father which is in heaven. And tonight, Norma, when you... Uh, when you share your testimony, this is not just going on right here on earth, physical contact. Uh, what we're doing right here, right now, tonight, heaven is involved. So I just wanted to share those couple scriptures with you. And again, I'm excited um, for Norma. Uh, I've heard this testimony. I've known Norma for about five years now. She writes articles for the Amish Voice, and I tell you, I've seen Norma's articles just uh, are very moving. Um, she's definitely an anointed author and has a heart for God. And so tonight, 
I present to you Norma Miller from Kentucky. Norma, welcome. Thank you, Joe. I really appreciate what you were just sharing. Um, that did a lot of good for my heart. Um, I believe that sharing this testimony is a big, uh, big step. It's going to be a big um, thing in my journey. It's the first time that I'm sharing as much or as complete of a version of, of my story as what I am, um, as what I, I, I've just never done it before in, in this, um, in this much, uh, entirety, I guess. And, um, I'm not including all the details for lack of time, but, um, it's more of a complete version than what I've ever done. And, um, the enemy has not been very happy. He's been attacking for the last few weeks and, um, just with, with, um, tempting me with um, things that I had not been tempted with for a long time and um, and then with anxiety today. So I appreciate prayers for, for peace as I share. Um, I just want to share that um, this is so much of a journey and it's still very much of a journey. Um, God sometimes delivers us completely overnight from things and he is well able to do that. There are sometimes um, things when we have opened the door to the enemy where God um, requires us to walk through some things. We need to walk through it. Um, it's kind of a journey out of it. And um, that's kind of what this has been for me. So it's definitely a process. So I just want to encourage anybody with that. And I, my prayer is that by sharing this, um, that it blesses someone, that it meets you where you are, that it gives you courage for the battle and courage for the journey. And um assures you that there is nothing too hard for God, because I assure you if he can deliver me, then he can deliver anyone. Um, I'm so grateful for the beauty that God brings from our ashes and for the way he has delivered me from the mire that I was in. There's a scripture in Malachi 4.2 that I would like to share with you. It says, but to those that fear my name shall the son of righteousness arise with healing in his wings, and you shall go forth as calves let out to pasture. Um, I have visuals for this verse because I grew up on a dairy farm, and it is fun to watch calves being let out to pasture um, for the first time in the spring. And that's what God promises to us. So when we fear his name, he will rise with healing in his wings, and we will run like calves let out to pasture with that kind of joy. And I would also like to share Jeremiah 29, 11 through 14. It says, "For the no I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, says the Lord. I love how God confirms his love for us and his desire to be found by us in Scripture. There was a time in my life when I didn't trust his plans or his thoughts toward me. And um, it did not get me to a good place. King James Version actually says, I know the thoughts I think toward you. I used to believe that God was angry with me, or at the very least he was displeased, and it was very hard to connect with him, which made it easy for me to search fulfillment elsewhere. God actually wants to be found by us, and he truly will be found if we seek him with all our hearts. And he truly does have a hope and a future for us. And I want to share with you how I came to experience that for myself. I grew up on a dairy farm as an Amish Mennonite girl in southern Ontario, Canada. I have wonderful parents and two brothers, and I love them very dearly. I saw pictures of my parents when they were teenagers dating, and they were so beautiful and vivacious. 
My mother has a wonderful creative gift of expressing herself and encouraging others. And my dad is a very steady, common-sense guy and is very well thought of in his community. I believe that the enemy was very threatened by the powerful force this union could bring. We all know that the enemy prowls around seeking to steal, kill, and destroy. And the way that he did that in our family was by causing my mother to struggle with depression, which turned into psychosis or mental illness before I was two years old. At this point, my dad was forced to send my younger brother and me to live elsewhere while he tried to find help for my mom. My older brother was in school, so he stayed at home with dad. This began a season of my life which consisted of living with others, sometimes being moved to another home, sometimes coming home to visit dad, sometimes being able to visit mom, sometimes being able to stay with dad for a few days, and sometimes being able to stay at home for periods of time with mom there. Going to visit her in the hospital was scary. Sometimes when she was at home, it was scary, too. I believe I was well taken care of in the homes I was in, and I believe that they loved me and gave me as much security and normalcy as they could. But it wasn't my home. It wasn't my mom and dad. I knew that something was wrong and something was missing. I wanted to be in a normal home with a happy mother, and I remember this being a very dark, confusing time, and I cried a lot, but I didn't know why. I believe I just knew something was not okay, and I missed my family and wanted a normal life. I believe this desire for a normal life may have become an obsession and at the root of a deep need to perform and appear normal later in life. I also believe I wanted to be really good so mom could stay home from the hospital. When I was about eight or so, the doctors had been able to regulate mom with medications to the point that she was able to come home to fu and to function. She had been diagnosed with bipolar disorder by this time. This began the era of my life where I now thought my life was normal, or at least we all tried to make it look that way, and everything looked okay to the casual onlooker, but underneath it all things were not so good. Our whole life became about performance and making everything look good to others. I always felt a need to perform, and perform I did, or at least I tried, but I always felt, felt I felt short. I believe that my mom also felt a need to, a deep need to perform and to prove that she was okay. I believe the pressures of motherhood were too great in her condition. And add to that the pressure she put herself under by performing in certain ways, it was a lot. I spent a lot of time with mom as the only daughter, and I received the emotional brunt of what she was facing. I do not hold any anger or bitterness toward her. I completely understand that she was unable to cope and um, uh, with, with life and with motherhood. But um, the truth is that I was abused emotionally, spiritually, and verbally. I didn't feel free um, to be myself, and I didn't feel safe. And this bred a deep insecurity in me, and I felt very um, alone and abandoned. And um, to say that I didn't feel safe or protected at this time was an understatement. My dad was um, busy farming, and I believe that many times between all that was going on, he simply didn't know which way to turn or what to do. It's possible he buried himself in his work to escape the burdens he faced. And... Another issue at that time would have been that the, the the culture that we were part of didn't have answers for mental illness. They did not know how to um, guide someone through that process. And so he he was, you know, trying to find his way on his own. And he wasn't necessarily enjoying the marital bliss he would have anticipated when they first married. Um, he told me one time that, that he had to learn to love mom all over again because she was no longer the woman that he married. Um, and he tried very hard to be the dad that we needed, and he did a great job. Um, 
I was raised to respect my parents, and I didn't feel like I didn't feel like to go to my dad to complain about mom. I mean, we did talk sometimes, and he was understanding. I loved to go to the barn early in the morning before anyone else was up, so I could be alone with him. But for some reason, I never shared the extent of what was going on when he was not with mom and me. We have discussed it since I'm an adult, and he told me he realizes there was probably a lot going on that he was um, unaware of, but he never knew how bad it was. And I believe I knew that it was my word against my mom's word if I did complain, and that that might make it worse. So to cope, even as a very young child, I began to try to control or escape my reality by daydreaming or fantasizing. I don't even remember how old I was or when it started. I was so young. Since I felt unprotected and unsafe, I've come to believe this was a form of control because of my fears, and I was trying to create a safe, comforting environment where the adults would watch over me, make sure I was safe, and didn't let me get by with anything. I don't know how all of this happened, but most of my fantasies um, involved strong male figures, and this turned into something abnormal or perverted, and I I wish I wouldn't need to share some of the things that I need to share because they're personal and, um, quite frankly, embarrassing. I'm not proud of them at all, but I want to do this because while I felt utterly alone and thought no one else would ever struggle with the things that I did, and I suffered so much shame and guilt, I discovered on my journey that there are thousands of people who have the same issue and felt the way I did or or suffer from similar things. Um, I believe that's one of the... Um, greatest lies of the enemy is to make us think that we're alone in the things that we struggle with. But there's a scripture that says, there has no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but will with the temptation make a way of escape so that you can be able to bear it. This is God confirming that we don't go through anything that is uncommon. There are many, many other people that go through the same things, but the devil will tell us anything to make us feel isolated and shamed. And um, much of my childhood and adulthood was filled with shame and guilt. And um, shame and guilt keep us trapped. As long as we, as we are succumbing to shame and guilt, we will stay trapped. Thank you for listening to this podcast series. Check out Mission to Amish People online at www.mapministry.org or keep up to date with us on Facebook and Google+. Thank you again and have a blessed day.